Welcome back to Power Up, the Play Versus podcast. If this is your first time listening, welcome. My name is Scott Reed, and I am a UX researcher at Play Versus. If you've been listening, you'll know that for our first batch of episodes, we are interviewing professionals in the esports and games industry and learning more about what they do, how they got there, and hopefully demystifying all the really exciting opportunities there are for gamers after high school. We hope this podcast is helpful for high school esports players, coaches, and even parents of gamers who might be curious how to spin a passion for gaming into a lifelong career. In the last episode, we heard from Brandy Camel, who shared a bit about her journey working as a community manager for popular games like Diablo. If you're interested in learning more about what community managers do and Brandy's advice for how students and esports players can practice effective digital citizenship skills online to, you know, hopefully set themselves up to getting more involved in the game industry, definitely check out our last episode. For today's episode, I'm putting out an alert for all of the writers out there. We will meet Peter Drummond. He is a writer working in the indie game space. First as the lead writer for Revita, which won the Game Maker 2022 Game of the Year Award, and now for the upcoming Nocturnal. He has a lot of great advice for creative and imaginative student gamers, including advice for getting started with your storytelling skills today. Before we get started with the conversation with Brandy and Peter, I wanted to introduce a very special guest, Sydney Bonds, who is a senior executive assistant at Play Versus, as well as the co-lead for the People of Culture Employee Resource Group, also known as an ERG. Hey, Sid. Hey, Scott. How's it going? Pretty good. Thanks for coming. So, Sid, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about what the People of Culture Employee Resource Group is? Of course. So, our employee resource group strives to empower and advance its members by fostering and maintaining a safe, supportive, and culturally competent environment within the workplace. And we also focus on allyship um, alongside with the minority groups that we have. Amazing. And... As part of the group, you've been sharing some really great video game history uh, facts related to Black History Month with the whole company. And I wanted to invite you on today to share one of those amazing nuggets of history (laughs) with our audience. Of course. Thank you. Um, So, yeah, we'll jump right in. So, Gerald Jerry Lawson, also known as the father of the video game cartridge, was an electronic engineer who led the group that developed the first commercial video game cartridge and created the Fairchild Channel F video game system. This game-changing idea was adopted by Atari and Nintendo. After leaving Fairchild, he continued to make history as the owner of Videosoft, the first black gaming development company, and by securing a spot in the World Video Game Hall of Fame. Amazing. So now I know who invented the video game cartridge. It was Jerry Lawson. And wow, uh, World Video Game Hall of Fame. Uh, That's really cool, too. All right. Well, thank you so much, Sid. Um, I'll talk to you later, okay? All right. Thanks for having me.
before we jump into the world of a game writer with Peter, let's circle back to our conversation with Brandy Camel, who transitioned from her role as a community manager to a producer for narrative design at the up-and-coming Firewalk Studios, which is currently working on a hush-hush AAA multiplayer game for PlayStation. So right now you are a producer for a narrative design team at Firewalk Studios. Why don't you just walk us through what a narrative design team does? What does a narrative designer do? So narrative design can cover um, a handful of different things, uh, but really the best way to think about it is these are the writers of the game, right? So if something needs to be written, then that's the team. Narrative design is the team that's doing that. And that can cover anything from from voiceover lines to cinematic scripts to even just the shout lines in a game. Like uh, those are called barks for short. Like, you know, it's like, hey, get down, grenade over here. Like thing, small things like that. Um, but it can also be the stuff that you see narratively within the world, like writing on a wall in a map or uh naming abilities or characters, building the backgrounds of those characters, doing world building, establishing the universe that you're in, all of that's narrative design. And it can just be writing, but it can also be the implementation of those things. So um, like contextual sounds, contextual voice lines is a really good example for that. Like if you have a character walking around a map and they see and they get proximity to something, they say something different because that proximity has happened. Um, that is a narrative design thing. You're usually working with engineers or uh, other programmers to, to make those things happen, but you might be involved in the process of saying, hey, we wanna tell this story and we're gonna need this kind of mechanic in order for that to happen. So you are on the narrative design team and you're a producer on the team. So what exactly does a producer do? What do you do in a typical day? A large amount of my job as a producer is to make sure that uh, my team's workload doesn't get out of control. <laughs> so I do a lot of like project management things. So there's lots of building of roadmaps or honestly, even just helping set up meetings with the right people and getting them in the right room, making sure that there aren't things blocking my team from getting their work done. You know, maybe they need to hear from a visual effects artist on whether or not something's been put into the game so that they can name it properly. So you started as a community manager and you mentioned before that there are actually some transferable skills between being a community manager and in your new role as a producer working in narrative design. What are some of those transferable skills? I mean, definitely the interdepartmental communication is the biggest part. Um, you know, one of the things that I really learned about being a community manager is that, you know, everybody that is talking usually is coming from a different perspective in a different lexicon so you you'll find you know the way players talk is very different from the way designers talk and the way designers talk is very particular um, and might not line up with the way artists talk or the way that engineers talk because they're all very different people and they all approach solving their problems in different ways so that whole like translation from two group one group to another has been exceedingly helpful in my role because I mean, as a community manager, I worked with every department at some point in time or another. Okay, so you are at Firewalk Studios right now, and I understand that you're working on a pretty big online multiplayer game for PlayStation, and I know that you can't talk a lot about it right now, but what is it like starting, you know, from from scratch? I'm assuming that it's sort of a, a AAA game, what we would describe as sort of that kind of 
big tier, big budget release. Yeah, yeah, I would put this at the AAA level. Um, I'd say it's it's been very interesting for me because this is the first time I've been at the outset of a game, like before it's been in progress. You know, like I joined Diablo um, when right when Reaper of Souls got announced. So I got to see an expansion get stood up from the beginning and moving through, but not necessarily like the base game getting stand, stood up. Um, and so that that part has been a very different experience. Every studio has their own different approach to the way things go. Um, and like like narrative at some studios is a very uh, distant process where it doesn't really get handled or touched until like closer to the release of the game. A lot of companies will focus more on on the engine or actually, you know, making the game function and, and work. Uh, narrative is really important at our company. So that's it's been a lot more involved in the variety of processes from gameplay design to map design to things like that like narrative has been kind of infused at every step of the way so it's been a very different approach than what i have seen uh in the past and that's been kind of really cool and and really fun to to watch and be a part of so one way that a lot of people break into any industry is to do an internship when they are in high school or college so if you were hiring for an intern, what are some of the qualities or experience that you'd be looking for? I would definitely, if I was looking for, say, like an intern producer, somebody who just wanted to learn how to how to be a producer, um, I would look for good organizational skills. Um, I would look for good note taking skills. Now, now, there's there's something that I think almost every kid or college student I've ever met thinks that they will never use I use it every day my note-taking skills because I keep I keep uh, minutes for meetings and that's incredibly valuable because if somebody can't make a meeting they need to know what was talked about like note-taking skills super high up on my list of, of a great transferable skill to have uh, and then yeah project management skills if there's something that you've put together from beginning to end it had a beginning middle and end and a deliverable date and you met those dates that's a great way to say like, hey, I, I can stay organized and I can deliver something on time. Um, those would probably be the three things I would look for. Okay, well, you heard it here first, folks. Level up those note-taking skills. Let's take a short break and hear from Logan Trent, our customer experience associate at Playverses, who has some news for the Playverses community. Take it away, Logan. Thanks, Scott. Hey, everyone. Logan here to catch you up on all things Playverses. The weekly coach notes are sent out to all Playverses coaches on Mondays, so be sure to check your inbox or click the link on this episode's description. Now for what's new this week at Playverses. Looking for your players' next steps beyond high school? We're discussing opportunities and best practices to secure collegiate scholarships for esports with our partners over at Stay Plugged In. To learn more about these opportunities, register for our upcoming webinars using the links in the description. You won't want to miss out on these. There are some exciting updates coming to the Playverses platform to share this week. Are you coaching multiple teams on game day? Within the Playverses platform, coaches can now use the global chat feature to manage and interact with multiple chats all at once. To view this yourselves, log into Playverses and locate the global chat icon next to your notification bell. In addition, Player of the Week awards have arrived in your school page. In the Awards tab, coaches can nominate any player that has competed in a match that week and then download a digital award to share with your students. 
Stay tuned for more updates to this new feature coming soon. Sharing these awards or any other competitive achievements on socials? Be sure to tag us using at playverses throughout the season. A few quick reminders before we get you back to the conversation. One, be sure that each of your players competing this season have their respective game accounts connected on Playverses so that league officials can verify the competitive eligibility of your teams. Two, if your students are competing in Hearthstone this spring and using the Hearthstone Unlocked account, no changes should be made to the battle.net names and passwords to ensure new cards can be added when they are released. And three, if you're a brand new coach this season or did not compete with us in the fall, we strongly suggest you review the Rule Changes Summary article, Tiebreakers FAQ, and Smart Scheduler Overview in the description. That's all for now. Best of luck in the first few weeks of your regular season. Back to you, Scott. Thanks, Logan. All right, let's hear the interview with Peter Drummond. He's the writer for Revita and Nocturnal. My name is Peter Drummond. I currently live in... Uh, the greater Austin area, but I'm originally a California native. Uh, I work in video games. I have for some time now, uh, over a decade. Uh, I'm, my, my passion has always been for writing, and that is uh, currently my primary focus, but I've done other things in the industry. Um, previous to being in video games, my work history has no straight lines, but uh, it goes from comic book store clerk to elementary English teacher to um, uh, a traveling roadie setting up shows and trade shows for music videos and movies and trade um, just just all sorts of uh, tech related uh, setup and then uh, I, I got into video games um, not necessarily by accident it was a place I was always headed but it was a winding road to get there and uh, you know lots of things sort of caught my interest on the way and so I I dallied with those uh, those brief bumps in the road that that pointed me in other directions and and gave me other skills and taught me other things um and even when i started in video games uh, i started on the support side um and i was on a management path uh so i've been in leadership for almost 20 years uh helping to develop others um going as far back as as teaching computers and technology k through eight and remedial english lit for eighth graders so it's been a it's been a weird path, but it's been a great one. Why don't you talk a little bit about what you're working on now? Okay, uh, we just announced the second game that I wrote today, so that's good timing. Uh, it's called Nocturnal. Uh, it should be coming out second quarter of this year. The date hasn't been released, but the game has been announced, so that's a that's a big one for me. This is the the second one where I've been in charge of uh, the direction of the story, um, a lot of the world building. Really, all of the writing fell to me. So uh, previous to that, I wrote a game called Revita, which won uh, an independent Game of the Year award uh, last year. That was my my first game. Um, and, you know, like I said, the road's been kind of winding. Uh, I decided after my last role uh, that I was going to focus on writing full time. I started a board game company and then that act opened doors to writing and video games full time. So again, nothing nothing points in, in one direction and then gets there. It's it's more that there's there's an intention and a joy behind a, an interest and then that manages to open doors along the way uh, as long as you are fully invested. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think that's a recurring theme in a lot of professional stories that it's not just, you know, from point A to point B, like a very straight road, like there's always twists and turns and surprises. And um, it sounds like for you that that's definitely true. I'm so curious, you you started a board game company and then jumped into your first opportunity writing for a video game. Like, how did you make that happen? Um, so... It, as as an act of creation, right? Uh, company requires a website, and uh, I, I had to create content for the website, right? One, you want to draw eyes, but two, it looks stagnant if it if it has the creation date of the website, and then days and weeks and months march on, and there's nothing but hey guys, we intend to build a thing coming soon. Um, so I started to do a dev blog having spent a lot of time in the industry to this point, uh, you know, I was, I was just a really big believer that if I can, if I can bring some value and kind of show what the journey looks like as I'm walking through it, that that's going to be a benefit, not just to me, but to others. Right. Uh, and then as a result of that work, uh, someone I had worked with previously who was a producer on Rabita reached out and saw what I was doing and remembered that I was, uh, I'd been in writing my whole life and, and said, Hey, I'd like to submit you if you're interested. And so I submitted some work and I, you know, in a, in a night got the job. I gave a, I gave them some writing samples and they looked at some of my other work on top of that. And, and it seemed a good fit. And, and we went from there. I love that story. And it's such a good message too. like, you know, just putting yourself out there. Um, allowing yourself to be noticed um, really worked in your favor and you got this this opportunity to work on Revita. Um, that's that's really great. I love hearing that. So walk me through the day day in the life of you, a work day specifically of you know being the writer on a on a game. what are what are some of your responsibilities? What are some of the types of people that you're collaborating with? Um, what's, what's, what's the meat of the work? A lot of my day is, uh, hunched over in front of, a a laptop somewhere, uh, writing. Um, I do most of it at home in sort of the wee hours, but, uh, if I need some daylight and some vitamin D, I'll, I'll head out and, and, and work anywhere. Right. Um, I have an ailing parent that I, I'm taking care of. So, uh, having the flexibility to be anywhere at any time helps. Uh, the two games that I've worked on have been international teams where I was the only U.S. living participant. Uh, so we were on different schedules for sure across, uh, across an ocean between us, right? So I would have one day a week generally that I would sit with um, the lead game developer and we would discuss, you know, their vision for what they're working on next. and how we can integrate the story that we've been working on into that. Um, sometimes I'll be asked like, I want some lore for this. This may not come out in, in the game uh, in an obvious means, but this is something that we want to be referring back to. And so we want to keep it consistent. So I, I do a lot of writing that doesn't see light of day as well, because it's about building the world. So it feels lived in. Uh, but my day is basically, I, I wake up at the crack of noon, uh, and then I, I hit the laptop uh, and 
I will jot down notes. Uh, usually at the start of the day, I like to like to get everything that's that's freshly inside of my head out if I can, because uh, I, I wake up with a head full of ideas and things that I was processing from the night before. And uh, from there, if I have a call, I'll sit on the call and then I'll talk through kind of what I'm working on and what my thoughts are for next steps on on the path, right? Um, but that call is usually one day a week and then the rest of the week is uh, an uninterrupted focus on I need to get X accomplished in this amount of time so that you know we can move to the next section, right? So I would say that for me, the biggest thing is knowing knowing when the deadline is. Um, I've never missed a deadline yet. Uh, knock on wood. Um, and the reason I say that that's most important is I can get into the weeds pretty easily, um, especially if you're doing world building, right? And uh, so I can, like I said, I, some of the job is getting lost in the weeds, but knowing when something is due means that I can always revert back to, oh, we need all the dialogue for this next stage by Friday. You can be in the weeds all you need as long as Friday has the dialogue done or the world building done or the whatever the due date is, right? Um, that discipline, especially when you're working remote with a international team, is the reason you get brought back, right? It's no different than doing your homework in some respects. I think the, the difference is Hopefully it's something you love so it doesn't feel quite as imposing, but I think the skill set is developed there. Yeah, these are really excellent points. I think um, I'm, I'm so jealous of your job. You get to be creative every day and, and really utilize your skill and passion for writing. And I think it's so important to remember and for everyone to, to hear that, you know, artists and writers and people who are working professionally as a career, um, they also have to be great collaborators. They have to be dependable. They have to meet their deadlines. Um, these are all things that, you know, that all professionals have to do, whether you're a programmer, um, you're behind the scenes, or you are, you know, writing a game. Um, those are all really, really important qualities. So I think that's really great to, to share for sure. Um, do you want to do a quick pitch for Nocturnal? Like, what what genre is this game? When's it coming out? Where can people play it? So I can't like I, I I have to be a little circumspect because the just the announcement that it's even coming happened this morning. Um, but it does have a Steam page, so I suppose I can tell you what the Steam page says. Um, it is it is a side scrolling adventure, uh, very akin to um, the early Prince of Persia games. Right. Uh, so it has uh, a lot of that platforming sort of puzzle and fighting combination that, that those early games had. Obviously, something that runs on new hardware and has that that polish and that fresh feel of, of new games. It's pretty exciting. It it certainly was the most. Uh, in some ways, complicated game that I've done so far, uh, because the game was mostly complete. Uh, by the time I was brought in, so it was a lot of um, a lot more collaboration in some ways because there was there was a vision that had already been very executed uh, by the time I got in. So it it was about working within that framework to develop the characters, the narrative, the the world, um, 
and and have it feel at home in what in the setting that was already already built right so um you know it was a good time i i mean i've loved every minute of everything i've ever written so far and and it sounds hyperbolic but it's not um i'm doing the thing that i've always wanted to do and and someone's giving me a paycheck for it it's hard to really argue with not enjoying that what advice do you have for um a high schooler who you know maybe is really passionate about playing games right now and is interested in breaking into the industry in the future the first thing is that uh you know this it always served me well this idea that if i'm going to do something i'm interested in even if it's just a tangentially related to the thing so like i started in support right uh support is helping customers with setting up their computers, potentially they lost an item in game, right? It's it's people who are frustrated with their current situation and and looking for a fix. And that can be uh harrowing, but it's also an entry level position. So it's it's one of the common ways that people get their foot in the door. Um the thing that served me is being interested in the thing I'm doing uh to the best of my ability, right? Um, if you want to get into gaming and you get your foot in the door, as many do, it's not in the not necessarily in the role that they they want to wind up in, right? But if you commit yourself to being the best at the job you have, that can't help but open doors both up in your current vertical, right? But also to the left and right of you to get you closer to where you want to be. I've never seen someone who got into an entry level position and kind of sulked that it wasn't what they wanted and they were ushered into the dream job a week later right um so so being interested in the thing you're doing because it's related to the thing you love uh i think it's important right i guess the bigger picture is find a way to love where you're at so that you can get where you're going uh and then the other thing is you know we we talk about especially having been in education myself, this idea of you need to be this well-rounded mind, right? That you need to, like for an English degree at UCLA, you had to have calculus too. That never made sense to me and it still doesn't. Um, and when I got into the world, I noticed that most of the people I interact with are hyper-focused on their interests. And they haven't really been asked to do those well-rounded things that they were forced to. Uh, so let yourself chase your interests a little bit. I'm not saying to the exclusion of other things, but the things that make you interesting and the things that make you potent to the people who are hiring you are your knowledge and your love of the things that you love, whatever they are, right? It shouldn't be one thing, it should be many but it should happen organically. A lot of high school is about trying to fit in and trying to be liked and trying to, you know, deal with the social ups and downs of that environment. The real world's not really that, right? And, you know, the biggest discovery for me was all the stuff that made me weird or a nerd or whatever you wanted to call me when, when they were calling me the name, uh, that was authentically me. And what they were trying to do was make me ashamed of those things because those things made me different and likely got me attention. 
right? And there are people in high school who are threatened by attention that's not theirs. The real world doesn't have a lot of that nonsense. And if I had stopped doing the stuff that I loved, if I had stopped being interested in the things that made me happy, man, I can't imagine the misery of, of a life trying to be what other people think would be cool of me to do. What a waste. Are there any misconceptions about working in the games industry? You've, you've been doing it for a while. Um, what's one of the biggest misconceptions, do you think? Uh, it's not play, right? Uh, adults especially want to say, oh, you, you go to work and you just screw around all day because you're, you're making games. Well, yeah, it's a job though, right? It's a, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. So like money on the line, people are not just throwing it into a hole and lighting it on fire for the fun of it. Like this goes back to the deadline piece, right? That it is a job. There are due dates, there are expectations, there are tough moments that you're going to have to get through. Sometimes there are disagreements with peers. Sometimes it's about putting in extra hours and inconvenient times. Right. But but there's a lot of work that goes into making a product live for the public. Okay, so let's imagine there is a play versus player. They're in their senior year of high school, getting ready for next steps. Uh, they are on the Super Smash team doing really well getting those good grades because like you mentioned you got to start where you're at and focus on you know the responsibilities that are in front of you even if it <laughs> might not be your favorite so they're getting those grades they're showing up after school for practice what else could they be doing in high school to help prepare them for a career in video games and let's say maybe they're interested in a similar job that you have being a writer uh working on a narrative design team what could they do now i would say probably the best thing to do in, in a world with all the social media is, is to create a Twitch stream and talk about your training for the game, right? Talk about what you're enjoying and what you're learning. And again, with the audience thing, teach your audience something. What do you know? You're, you're a top tier Mario player? All right. Well, what's it like being a top tier Mario player, right? How do I become one? What are, what are the three things that I don't know that I should to be competitive? And walk me through it right? You're still telling a story. You're not necessarily creating a new Smash character, but, but again, this goes back to kind of finding a way to take the thing you love and, and, and paste it into the thing you're doing. If you can tell me a story that's, you know, your rags to riches climb to Smash domination, and it's, it's the weekly, you know, it's the weekly report. Here's who I crushed. Here's who I lost to. Here's what I need to do better. Here's what I'm working at something you're telling me a story and you're building connection and now i want to follow right and maybe once a week you're like you know uh, top 10 most overrated abilities or give me something that that also meets me where i am because i'm not top tier at smash it doesn't necessarily matter how cool it is to the general public it just matters that it's a place where your voice gets heard and your audience finds you and going back to the dev blog audiences will find you if you put out consistent work that's meaningful to you right yeah i love that advice it really sounds like it's important to you know use the tools that you have available 
use the stories that you know and that you care about and just create work and, and practice and kind of build that portfolio, build that audience and just show that you're serious and you care about what you do. Um, that can help you help differentiate you from just, you know, a casual player. So I think that's really excellent advice. Thank you. Um, we're almost at time here. So I'm just curious, is there anything you wished that I asked that I didn't? Any final words of wisdom? It's not really a question I wish you asked, but it, it is a thing that uh, was hard learned and, and, and I wish someone had told me earlier. Uh, and that is simply along the way, you're gonna discover other things you're good at that you love. Be open to it. Uh, if, you're, if you're too rigid, sometimes the things that you need can't find you right so like i discovered i i have three sort of verticals that i live in right um that i, I naturally gravitate to i love being a leader and a mentor and building teams and systems right uh i love being an educator anytime i can take a moment to teach someone a new skill and have them join me in that process is is really important for me and i'm an artist right i write i draw i photograph like those are the three things um if if i was just being the artist i might not have discovered the other two and i might not have had the chance to indulge in and be good at those things right uh so it, it's one thing to love what you love and by all means do it right that's that authenticity piece but but life is going to also show you some things that you didn't expect and uh i think being open to that can't help but take you places well said well said all right thank you so much um i really appreciate you taking the time and and sharing your wisdom and knowledge and experience with with our community well said well said all right thank you so much peter i really appreciate you taking the time and sharing all your wisdom and knowledge uh with our community i think you've definitely inspired some high school writers who are listening all right that's all the show we have for you today please check out the episode notes for links to the coach notes that logan mentioned as well as links to other topics and games that were mentioned in this episode including newly released information about nocturnal that's come out since we spoke with peter if your school is not already competing with Play Versus, go ahead and go to playverses.com. That's playvs.com and get your school enrolled. All right, until next time. Bye.